Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. And I just think it's so important that as God puts people in our life to lead us spiritually, to direct us, it could be child to parent, it could be those that are mentoring you or whatever, that we have as believers, we got to be submitting to somebody. Ultimately, we want to submit to the Lord, but you can never be a good leader if you're not a good follower. Every good leader is a follower first. If you can't humble yourself, submit, follow God, follow leadership, you'll never be much of a good leader. It requires both. There's got to be the humility to be led. As Christians, it's easy to lose humility. Maybe your life is going perfectly or maybe you just don't like authority. But regardless, we all have times of forgetting about God's power in our lives. Today, Pastor Bill wants you to know that if you want to live up to the calling that God has for your life, you need to be diligent in serving Him. Even when you are tired or feel like it's by your own power that everything is working out, always give the glory to God and let Him rule over your life. It's by His gift of grace that you are saved. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Esther chapter 4 as he continues his message for such a time as this. What's the most that we can do when something horrible takes place? Pray, right? So for the believer, our position of power is not going to be in a protest. It's not going to be at a march. Our position of power is going to be in prayer. Don't ever forget that, right? Because sometimes I think believers are watching what non-believers are doing. They're like, yeah, we got to go too. We have to go too. And it's like, you have something they don't have. You have access to someone they don't. Y'all need to be having prayer gatherings. We need to be on our faces about this. We need to be coming together and crying out to the Lord for wisdom and, 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 and just insight and what he would have us to do. But, you know, remember, we, need, we just need to remember that. We have access to some things that the world does not have access to. So we got to be careful about tapping into their methods when we have methods that are, uh, we, have, we, have, we have access to some things that are greater. So again, it says here, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting, weeping, wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. Now, it doesn't say fasting with prayer, but I believe that the sort of fasting that they're doing here is to be heard by God. So oftentimes in Scripture, um, when people would fast, one of the purposes for a fast was to be heard on high. Some people fasted as part of their mourning before the Lord. God, we're passing on the plate that you might hear our mourn. We're crying out to you. Here's something we know from Scripture, that when people would cry out to God, God would hear them. If people were being oppressed and they cried out, God would say multiple times in the Old Testament, I heard their cries. They, they cried out and I heard it. And God would intervene. And so um, fasting was one of those things we see. Fasting is something we see throughout the whole Bible. There are many different reasons why people fasted. Some fast in, in conjunction with prayer. Usually um, there's, you know, fasting of, you know, no food, no water. Fasting to be heard by God. Fasting to, to get direction from the Lord. Fasting for power. Fasting, waiting on God to do something. Um, a book that I, I recommend often um, is it's called, for someone that's interested in fasting and just wanting to know what, what all does the Bible say about it, there's a book, it's called God's Chosen Fast. Uh, the author's name is Arthur Walls, and uh, it's just a very good read uh, about fasting. So uh, if you got questions on that, you can talk to me later. Um, that's probably one of my favorite books on that specific topic. But here they're mourning, weeping, fasting, they're laying in sackcloth and ashes, and... Um, 
you know, they're, they're showing forth their grief over this terrible news that has come forth. Now, moving forward, look at verse four now. It says, so Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her, and the queen was deeply distressed. Then she sent garments to clothe Mordecai and to take his sackcloth away from him, but he would not accept them. So a couple things, you know, Esther is kind of secluded here. Esther's in the palace. Um, Esther's kind of got it cush, right? She, she's tucked away in the palace. She don't even know what's going on out there in the streets unless someone comes and lets her know. Um, she's tucked away. She's got provisions. She's eating good. She's got beauty treatments. She's got maids and eunuchs taking care of her every need. And then she hears about what's going on out there in the street. So let me, let me just throw this out there. So I want you to put yourself in Esther's position. You made it to the palace. You are the queen. You got it made. You are living comfy, plush, and cushy. And the king don't know because Mordecai told you not to tell him. Nobody knows that you're a Jew. And you get word while you're in the palace that, oh, no, they're going to start slaying all the Jews. They don't know I'm a Jew. I'm cush here. What, what do you think might be a temptation for someone in Esther's position? Huh? Right. Let me just let me just back away. Let me act like I didn't hear what was going on out there. Nobody knows I'm a Jew anyway. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and enjoy my good life. And uh, man, I'm terrible. What's going to go? I feel terrible for those out there and what's going to happen. Right. That could be a temptation. It's not Esther. Right. She, she's she's a woman of much more character than that. But some people, some people have very crummy character and they fall back when uh, when when things get hot, when when things get difficult, there are people that just kind of fall away. They don't want to get involved. They don't want to do anything. That's not Esther's character, and it's probably why God put her where she is. I, I titled the message again for for such a time as this. There's a reason why God let her be the one to be where she is um, by His divine providence. So um, she's surrounded by her maids and eunuchs. That's these are the people that she's interacting with day to day, right? The maids, the women that take care of her, and the eunuchs, and so. It says that they came and they told Esther what was going on. And then when she heard, she was deeply distressed. Um, she cared. It wasn't like, well, it's not my problem. I'm the queen. She was deeply distressed. Esther cares about her people. And I'm sure she cared about Mordecai. She must have heard that Mordecai was outside with sackcloth and knew he couldn't come any further. So she sent clothes to Mordecai so he can put on some regular clothes and come closer so they could, they could talk. Um, it says at the end of verse four that Mordecai, um, he would not accept them, right? This is Mordecai saying, no, I'm going to grieve. I'm going. I'm not putting on regular clothes while this is going on. I'm, I'm wearing sackcloth, you know? Um, I, I just I just like his character. I, I, that's a guy, Mordecai just sound like my kind of guy. He's like, no, nah, I'm not putting on regular, this ain't regular clothes kind of day. This is a, a grieving morning, sackcloth and ashes, wailing and howling kind of day. I'm not eating burgers and I'm not having a good time. That's the kind of day it is. I don't want them clothes, you know? And that, that he, he didn't receive it at first. Uh, moving on, look at verse uh, five. It says, then Esther called Hathach, one of the king's eunuchs, whom he had appointed to attend her, and she gave him the command concerning Mordecai to learn what and why this was. So Hathach went out to Mordecai in the city square that was in front of the king's gates, and Mordecai told him all that had happened, and he told him the sum of money Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries to destroy the Jews. So when Esther couldn't get Mordecai to put on clothes and come to her. 
he sent, she sent one of her guys down to him in the city square and said, go find out what's going on for me. And as this guy went down and interacted with uh, Mordecai, he gave him the rest of the information, uh, what had taken place, um, why it happened. Now, I want you to think about this. If you're Mordecai, all this has happened because you didn't do what? Why? Um, I bet that there, there may be people that were like, why wouldn't you just bow? Mordecai, this is all your, you know, I'm sure there had to be some pressure on him because really this is all happening because he didn't bow. Sometimes when you take a stand for the Lord and you do the difficult thing uh, that maybe nobody else wants to do and nobody else wants to deal with the ramifications, you're going to take heat from the enemy and friend and foe. There's possibly Jews that were like, this is your fault. You know, he may have been catching fire both ways. Can I tell you guys, if you're going to serve the Lord, that you're going to catch fire from both ways? As a Christian and a minister and a, someone that serves the Lord, I expect the attack from the enemy, right? It's just it's something you expect when you jump into this. But the thing that has kind of rocked me at times over the years is when it comes from when it's friendly fire, when it comes from brothers or sisters, and you're like, whoa, you know, like the people that you expect to stand with you uh, when they take up arms against you. Uh, and I've seen it happen. I've had it happen. And it's one of those things as a believer, you got to know that fire is going to come from both ways sometimes. And we just have to soldier up. We have to be ready. We have to know that, you know, it doesn't matter. I, at the end of the day, I got to be right with who? That's it. And sometimes you only can be right with the Lord. Sometimes you can't be right with anybody else while being, I'm only, I'm only able to be right with God, right? Um, God will straighten everybody else out in his time, but you make sure you stay right with the Lord. It will not always be popular. And I'm sure for Mordecai, this is distressing. He's grieved. Uh, and I'm sure that there was some of that pressure on him. However, while I love him so much, it doesn't change anything. He doesn't start saying, well, you know, he, he doesn't start thinking about bowing. You know, he doesn't go get some knee pads and, and reconsider his 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 position. Um, he's just he's getting ready. To, he's getting ready to go to battle. He's like, all right, you know, we're going to have to see what we're going to do about this. So the sum of money that Haman told the king he was going to pay into the treasury was 10,000 talents of silver. Um, when you break that down, when you break down the 10,000 talents of silver, uh, I think it's something like 750 tons. Um, and when you break it all the way down into what is it, what does it amount to in our money? Get this, $96 million. So if, if you took the 750 tons of silver that it was and you brought it to current market value, $8 an ounce of silver or whatever, it would be about $96 million. So I, I got to say this about the king. The king, was, the king was being bought with a bribe, right? And the Bible has a lot to say about that, that um, as far as people taking bribes or being able to be bought, it's not something we want to be able to, you know, we don't want to be the kind of people that can be purchased or that can be bribed, that someone can, you know, I'll pay you to do this. Um, this king, uh, not a believer, pagan king, for enough money, he was willing to exterminate all, all these people. He, he did no investigation into the claims that Haman had made about the Jews. I think he heard 96 million was like, yeah, yeah, that's a great, yeah, man, praise God. That's a, I, give me that decree right now. I sign it two times, you know? And so we got to be careful about that. I wrote in my notes, can you be bought, right? Can you be bought for, for, is there enough money 
that someone could give you? Is there something that you want so bad that if someone offered it to you, you would go the other way? You would do the wrong thing. You would look, you would, you would go in a different direction. Um, I think it's so important as believers that we not be viable, right? You know why? Because you've already been bought. Amen. You've already been bought at the price, the price of the blood of Jesus. Therefore, there's nothing that anyone could ever offer you of greater value than what's already been purchased. You've already been bought. And so I can't be bought with money. I can't be bought with things. I can't be bought with favor. Can't be bought with opportunity. Can't be bought with other things. I've already been bought by the precious blood of Jesus. And there's nothing that compares with that. And uh, if we could just keep that in our hearts, uh, it'll keep us from being purchasable. You know, when someone comes and they, well, you know, I, I got this situation right here, man. You know, I, I, I give you, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, other, I'm otherworldly, sir. I belong to somebody else already. Don't get down like that. And, um, and I, my, my prayer is that we would all be those kind of people, that kind of character, uh, not buyable. Um, this king was buyable. He could be purchased. And uh, for 96 million, I, I think a lot of people I know could be purchased for 96 million. <laughs> Truth be told, you know, but that, that's a lot of money. And that's what it was. That was that's what was being offered. So uh, Mordecai sends back word through Hathach and he gives Esther the full story of what's going on. Uh, verse eight and nine, it says uh, he also gave uh, he also gave him a copy of the written decree for their destruction, which was given at Sushan that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her and that he might command her to go into the king and to make supplication to him and plead before him for her people. So big deal right here, right? Esther sent information to him. He's now sending information back to Esther. He gets a copy of the death notice that this is what this is what's out in the citadel. Send this back to her. Let her know how serious this thing is. There's a date on this thing. And He's commanding her, you need to go in before the king and intercede on behalf of your people. Uh, we're going to see in just a moment that it's a dangerous thing, that you don't just get to go into the king whenever you feel like it, that you, you've got to have uh, permission. Uh, you've got to be called upon to go before the king. And so she's going to be called upon to go before the king without being requested And I want you to note the word, because I was really kind of checking this word out, because we'll see it twice in the chapter. It says that he commanded her, um, that he might command her to go into the king and make supplication to him and to plead before him and the people. And so I want to just remind you of the relationship that they have. Mordecai was treated like, he treated Esther like a daughter and she treated him like a dad. He's not telling her, you know what, would you pray about this? Would you consider possibly going in and doing, he's like, look, you got to go do this. You're in the position you're going to, this is, you need to go do such and such a thing. Um, and we'll see in a little, we'll see at the end of the chapter, she's going to command him to do something as well. But here's my point. Um, God had put in Esther's life uh, a spiritual leader. And we see throughout the book of Esther that she submitted to Mordecai's leadership in her life. And I just think it's so important that as God puts people in our life to lead us spiritually, to direct us, it could be child to parent, it could be those that are mentoring you or whatever, that we have as believers, we got to be submitting to somebody. Ultimately, we want to submit to the Lord, but you can never be a good leader if you're not a good follower. Every good leader is a follower first. If you can't humble yourself, submit, follow God, follow leadership, you'll never be much of a good leader. It requires both. There's got to be the humility to be led. 
if you're going to be able to be a good leader one day. And so I see in both of them, they're able to give and take. They're able to submit and yield as necessary. And I guess we'll challenge you with that. Are you able to submit to other people, right? When God puts something in your life that maybe they may excel you in the air, are you able to submit? They might be, you know, younger than you. They might be older than you. They might not, you know, they're going to be, there be people that know more than you in certain areas or just, they just got a right answer to something. Can you submit? Are you prideful? Do you resist submitting to other people? Check that. Check that. Many times um, God will put people in your life that can really be helpful to you if you have a heart of submission, if you're willing to yield, if you can be directed and led rightly. And so um, she commands him to go in before the king and to do this. Uh, again, I, I'm, I'm mindful that Esther was in seclusion here. Um, she was stowed away safely into the palace and she's going to be called upon to risk all of that. Once you let him know you're a Jew, this might cost you the queenship. This might cost you your position. You might get killed anyway. All of, there could be all these things running through her head. And she's got a decision that she has to make here. And I was thinking about Moses as I read this. It said about Moses in the book, in Hebrews chapter 11. It said, by faith, Moses, right? He was being raised in the palace. He was being treated like the king's kid. The king's daughter had found him in the river and was, was raising him like her own son. And while she was raising him like her own son, it says that Moses, uh, he left. He left all of that behind, all the treasures, all the wealth, all the position, all the power. He left all that behind, believing that God has something else for him. Right. I always trip about that because many of the word faith movement think that by faith you get stuff. I look at Moses and by faith. He gave up stuff of the world to go pursue the call of God upon his life. And everybody knows the name Moses. Everybody knows that Moses was a great man. Everybody knows that Moses led Israel. And he did great things. What God did for Moses was greater than any riches that Pharaoh could have given him in that house for the years of his life. Amen. He did not lose in that exchange, but he did give it up in order to pursue the call of God. And so um, he gave those things up. Esther's going to be called upon to give things up. And listen, there are going to be times where the people of God, God's going to call you to put that on the, put that on the altar to, do my, to, call, to follow the call of God. I promise you this, anything you give up to pursue God, when you get down the road of pursuing God, you'll look back and say, I'm so, so worth it. That was so, what, what God has done is, that'll never be, that'll never compare to what God's done over here, Right? And I think sometimes God sets us up for that challenge. God, will, God may elevate you. God may give you position just to challenge it, just to see, okay, now, now what? Now I want you to leave it. Come to me. Uh, when my wife and I were much younger in the marriage, I knew that God had called me to the ministry. I knew that I was supposed to go to Bible college. And we had a, an agreement that when she finished college and I was going to go to Bible college, what just so happened, the timing of everything is as she was wrapping up, I was at a new job. And the new job that I was at, I was being favored greatly at this job. I started at the bottom. Now we're here. No. I started at the bottom of this job, just was an entry-level position, you know, building telescopes, had a 90-day review, and I got a, I got a promotion and a raise. And they, some guy in the warehouse had a DUI, and they needed someone in there, and so I got the position. So now... I just only been there 90 days and I got the position in the warehouse. There were other people that were there longer, but I got it right now. I got a raise and a promotion. I'm in the warehouse. Great. I'm in the warehouse. I try to witness to a man that's in accounting 
and uh, he would come down to get the mail. You know, we said they were the, the shirt and tie guys. And uh, this guy would come down. He was a nice guy, and I tried witnessing to him. Uh, he was very respectful, heard me out, and he left. He came back about a week or two after I tried to share with him, and he said, hey, I want to talk to you uh, at lunchtime. And I went out to talk to him at lunch. And this guy said, now, he said, I remember you shared with me a couple weeks ago. He said, my son had been going to church with his friends. My wife and I went to church with my son this week to watch him get baptized. He said, my wife and I both gave our lives to the Lord, and we got baptized with him. And he said, now, in full circle, I understand what you were saying. And so this guy was like, Bill, we got a position open in accounting. That's my department. I want you to apply for it. And I'm like, bro, I'm bad at math. I, I, had, I, I had to go to adult school to catch up on math so I could go to college. I said, that math is not my thing. He said, just apply for it like anybody else off the street. I want you to apply for it. So I did. And lo and behold, I got that position. Um, so now I've only been, I haven't been in this job in a year. I got my third position. Now I got a shirt. Now I'm a shirt and tie guy. I got a shirt and tie job. I'm in accounting. I got an office and a desk. I got benefits. And my wife is pregnant with Harmony. It just looks like things are going amazing at this point in time. And at that point, wife had finished her thing. It was time for me to pursue Bible college. And I, I looked at where I was going to go to Bible college. Classes started in the daytime. And so I would need to quit that job to go really do what I was called to do. And, you know, so that was a thought, right? Now I have the best job I've ever had since I've been saved. Um, it's, it's, you know, I got a baby on the way. Seems like the responsible thing to do is to stay here. But I know I'm not called to that job. I'm not called to, to, to crunch numbers for my, I'm called to do ministry. And so that was, it was like God said, let that go now and come pursue me. Now, if God had said, let it go when I was, you know, working at the, when I was building telescopes, it'd be like, yeah, praise God. You know, like it would have it seemed like nothing, but now it was like, oh man, this was, it was going so well. This, I was, I felt good about this, you know? And, but yeah, it didn't matter. I, I, I don't look back and think, you know, this is what I look back. I look back and think, how sad would I be if I were doing accounting today? All these years of ministry. And here's the cool thing about years of ministry. Any, any of you guys, years of serving God, you look back on the years of serving God and they all feel worth it. No matter what it was called, whatever, whatever it costs, you'll look back over the years of serving God and it just seems like, man, those are good. Those are, that was time well spent. I wouldn't rather have done anything else with those years than to be serving God. And so, you may have to give some things up. God may put you in positions to give things up to pursue his call. I promise you, whatever you give up to pursue the call of God, you will get down the road and say, worth it, worth it, worth it, worth it, worth it every time. Amen? All right, so moving on. So let's look now at verse 9. So Hathach returned and told Esther the words of Mordecai. Verse 10 now, then Esther spoke to Hathach and gave him a command from Mordecai. So Mordecai had given her a command that she needed to go give supplication. Now there's a command coming from Esther to him. So Esther gives a command from Mordecai, verse 11. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court of the king who has not been called, he has but one law put all to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter that he may live. Yet I myself have not been called to go into the king for these 30 days. So there's a dilemma here. Esther says, look, I got limited access to the king. You don't just get, even though I'm the queen, I don't just get to go in and come out. That's, y'all know, that's, that's crazy. What if husbands had it like that day? I just call for my wife when I want her, right? 
And, and here's the thing. He said she hadn't been called in 30 days. So it, it leaves the question. Some wonder, like, man, did she somehow fall out of favor? You know, maybe she had to be wondering, you know, why haven't I been called in 30 days if I was so favorable in the first place? You know, all of that could have been working in the background. We're so glad you decided to spend your time with us here today on A Transforming Word. Pastor Bill Buffington has been making his way through the book of Esther. Esther is known for being Queen of Susa, but her story doesn't start that way. She finds herself in all kinds of uncomfortable scenarios on her way to the throne, where she would eventually become the picture of a faithful servant of God. If getting out of your comfort zone is the way to success, then Esther wrote the book. How are you getting out of your comfort zone to improve your relationship with God and overcome the worldly sins that are all around you? There will always be seasons of life where the pain and agony can't be avoided. How will you respond? Will you turn to God despite the pressures to mask your pain with the things of this world or fall into sin like so many people before? Esther and Mordecai faced the threat of an oppressive and vicious ruler over the people. Still, you and I face a spiritual threat today, and a spiritual threat requires spiritual weapons like prayer, praise, and worship, and we know just where you can find those, right here at A Transforming Word in Inglewood, California. Are you in the area? We'd love for you to come in and see us this Sunday. We meet at 9 and 11 a.m. For the rest of the information you need, head over to calvaryinglewood.org. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. And if you're not in the area, be sure to catch our live stream online this Sunday. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for being with us, and we'll see you next time with a transforming word. Transforming Word.